Tandem Nomads, episode 63. Motherhood can open this huge growth period for a person because suddenly with your child, you are also growing up. Um, and that's fabulous. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive in your global nomadic life. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Emel Deregi, and today I'm very excited to introduce you to our guest, Mariam Afnan Ahmed. Mariam, are you ready for the ride? Oh, yes, I am. Wonderful. Mariam Afnan Ahmed is originally from Pakistan. She has an MBA from Pakistan's Lahore University of Management Sciences. When living in Pakistan, she taught at Nost Business School in Islamabad. After that, she started her nomadic journey with her husband and family. They previously lived in China and today they live in the U.S. Mariam conducted corporate and personal development programs in Pakistan and China and served in a variety of volunteer roles in the expat community. Today, she teaches full-time at the Eldin School in Reston, uh, the state of Virginia in the U.S. She has served on the board of the FIGT organization, which is Families in Global Transition. And on top of that, Mariam is also a writer. In fact, in her capacity as a certified trainer for parent effectiveness, she co-wrote the book called Slurping Soup and Other Confusions, a story and activity book for children between 3 and 12 years old. So, Mariam, this is just a short overview of who you are. Is there anything else or anything that I missed? And tell us what's happening in your life today. Um, thank you. That was a really lovely um, introduction, actually. Um, and I just wanted to clarify um, the the slurping soup and other confusions. The book arose out of our con uh, conversations as parent effectiveness trainers, uh, but we wrote it more in our capacities as expat moms mm -hmm. uh, who were dealing with the struggles and challenges um, that our kids, um, you know, Uh, we're facing as uh, expat children and as TCKs. Um, and what is happening right now, I have a couple of interesting projects in mind. As you've um, already introduced me, I, I, my background is training and teaching um, and writing. And I, um, due to my work in volunteering as well as working with my own children and the children at the school, um, there are a few ideas for projects where we where I hope that I can add value um, to um, expat t to the expat TCK experience um, along with my children um, so a blog might be in the offing um, and perhaps uh, a project that I'm still working out the details of with my daughter who's mm. turning 13. Wow so busy times coming ahead mm -hmm. interesting exciting. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us, how did you, how did this journey abroad start for you? All right. Um, well, it started with the fact that my husband's always been inspired by the Foreign Service. Um, and so um, he joined the Pakistani Foreign Office. And given the fact that I had traveled and been exposed to travel as a youngster myself, um, and I firmly believed that um, you know, both partners in, in the marriage should have the ability to chase their dreams. So we, you know, I was, I was behind his, I was, I was a hundred percent with him on uh, applying for the foreign office, if that was his dream. And he did, and he got in. Um, and so that brought about our first move to China. Uh, we first went there on his language training. 
which preceded his posting there for three years. So we were there for about um, five, five and a half years. And um, and then we had a tenure in Pakistan, which was fantastic. Um, that was one of the core reasons for me signing on to the foreign office, right? The fact that in the foreign office career, you don't just end up abroad for long ten- tenures. You actually do periodically revisit your home country and stay there for a year or two. Yeah. Um, so after that, you know, once we had our tenure of about Two years back in Pakistan, we moved to Washington, D.C., where we are currently based. Um, and uh, my children have spent the last, uh, we've spent the last four years here. Um, and, 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 it's been, and, and it's been a wonderful experience so far. Oh, amazing. So tell me, you've been doing so much in these years. You've been volunteering, but you've been also teaching, continuing your career as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And you also started writing and having some really important role as a member of a board in, in an organization like FIGT, which is a very, very active board. Mm-hmm. So tell me, if you go to a networking event and somebody asks you, what do you do? How would you answer I tend to answer as um, I'm a teacher and a trainer and I sometimes write as well and my focus is on teaching life skills including critical thinking, communication skills and self-development and my current day job is as, which I love by the way, Mm -hmm. is as a kindergarten teacher for gifted children and a current passion that I also pursue is as the board member, uh, as one of the board members for the Families in Global Transition because um, it helps me um, add value to a niche that I certainly belong to, which is the expat world. Yeah, definitely. So t- tell me, when you decided to, I guess you had to quit your job to start to move to China, right? Um, yes, yes. So how, did, how was that experience for you? That was really one of the hardest things to do. Um, you had asked uh, initially to, for me to identify two, uh, two, you know, a couple of risks that we took when we moved. And the main risks that we took, frankly, as a family was, um, you know, distance from our families, from our extended families. Uh, back home, um, we are often raised um, as parts of extended families. That's That's part of our culture. And I was doubly blessed because I was raised in an extended family that included both my maternal and paternal um, side, both, um, you know, rather close. And so that was one of the biggest risks. The other risk that I took, of course, was putting my career on hold. Um, As diplomats, um, oftentimes in certain countries, we may not be allowed, uh, the spouses may not be allowed to work Mm. uh, full time, um, work officially, actually. And so volunteer, uh, you know, volunteering became my pathway to having um you know a career interest of my own Mm -hmm. and um i went to town on volunteering so i volunteered (laughs) in about three or four capacities and uh explored a few interesting opportunities which i would probably never have experienced uh, including teaching pakistani cooking which is quite (laughs) ironic because i did not cook before moving to china (laughs) <laughs> so, so, that's interesting so, yeah so those were a couple of challenges and the core challenges would have been that um, and as the children have grown older um, the challenge that becomes more and more uh, crucial is that every time you move your children are not only losing friends but they're also shifting cultures in terms of um, schooling which can be a whole different ballgame yeah. uh, so those have been some challenges and we've we've been trying to deal with them as far as we can by staying as op- open to opportunities and ideas as we can be 
um, and being open to asking questions as we go along. A lot of questions. Um, if, if you look at the career, of course, um, given that you can't work in a certain environment until my, for example, my background is in marketing originally. Um, and I was beginning to develop um, a personal profile where I was beginning to train and teach in the areas of marketing. But you are only relevant in a country if you are from that country or you have exposure to the marketing, um, you know, or the kind of marketing or the, mar- the demographics of that country. Mm-hmm. So that was an obvious, you know, sudden loss, um, you know, arriving in China, not only, you know, was... Um, it was it not possible to work, but really, you know, any kind of work required that I get to know the market and the customer, um, and um, and and so that was a that was a huge loss. Um, recognizing suddenly that the obvious clues to your career are no longer valid, so you have to assess yourself again, and you have to sit down with yourself, which is which 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 actually um, you know came about with fantastic timing for me because when we moved to China initially uh, my daughter was three and she was very young and she was missing the extended family a lot she was a very verbal child um, she was very fluent she had been speaking for the last year and a half and suddenly she was alienated because she didn't understand the language that every was being spoken around her mm. um, so we spent a whole year just bonding with each other and having fun and then in a year or so my son arrived so you know the automatic response was to oh wow I'm needed as a mom at home so let me sit at home for another year and you know focus on the children Um, and that gave me time that really gave me time and perhaps at that time I didn't recognize the advantage of automatically having to take that break Mm. but it really gave me time and you know and 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 space to think about wait a moment so if, if the obvious clues are no longer working for me what are real transferable skills that I can help add value with, right? Yeah. Um, so if I can't work, you know, per se, if I can't have a, I have a job immediately, perhaps I can volunteer, perhaps I can teach, perhaps I can, you know, explore a few new ideas. So suddenly having that time for that year um, allowed me to explore not only my inner self and my own skill um, skill set, but it also allowed me to explore, hey, you know, here are some things that I would not have done normally. So, you know, um, I, I went to a place called the Hutong, for example, in Beijing. Their, a core of their program was cooking. Mark Thurlwall, who um, ran the Hutong, was showing me the kitchen and he, he was telling me all these you know, fantastic cooking classes they had. And there were no Pakistani cooking classes. <laughs> and I said... Would you know? Would you be interested in holding a Pakistani cooking class? And he turns to me and says, "Would you want to do it?" And I and I and I said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Although you weren't cooking before. <laughs> yeah. And I had only been cooking for the last two years of being in China. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, China was a great experience because it helped me learn that sometimes in your ex- expat experience, things that are looking like opportunities, cl- like doors are not open for you, are actually that space. Mm-hmm. Um, while you don't have doors opening for you, can be a fantastic space for you to rediscover yourself. Um, and so that challenge really helped me assess my own self. And so I thought, okay, so if I have to do a Pakistani cooking class, I need help from somebody who is perhaps a more traditional cook. And I had a friend um, and we worked very well because we worked very well with you know covering each other's strengths as well as weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started. 
Um, and, and similarly, I discovered parent effectiveness training because I was attending a book talk. And I got to talking with this really nice Australian lady next to me. And she said, so what do you do, Mariam? And I said, I'm a communication skills trainer but not right now, back home in Pakistan. And she said, that's fantastic. I'm having a, I'm having a communication skill training. Um, I'm starting it here and it's, it's for parents. Um, and, you know, wouldn't you be a fantastic person to attend it? And so that started that road, uh, which eventually led to Slurping Soup. So, um, so you know, sometimes it's, it's been interesting that even those challenges have worked out as advantages. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, the motto of Tandem Nomads is turning the challenges of relocation into great opportunities and you showed in so many ways how you turned those challenges into opportunities for you and there's one thing that you said that I really want to focus because so far we didn't talk enough of it I believe in Tandem Nomads is the motherhood you know the time Mm -hmm. we take to grow our kids and take care of them and the fact that that's also a time that we should take as an opportunity mm-hmm. to learn about ourselves, but also to pause and, and think and, and plan a, a bit more the future, but without necessarily being active right away and enjoying that time with the kid when they're small. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you mentioned that. Um, but how did you manage it, actually? Because I can imagine that a baby who's crying, not sleeping, uh, demanding. How do you, you know, as a mom and as a person who wants to be professional keep that you know motivation and that drive when you have all of that happening in your world <laughs> first i'd like to give i'd like to sort of hand out a disclaimer here um you know how they say that hindsight is 2020 so <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't claim to have been this this fabulously sane mother who is <laughs> you mother who who knew all of this from the get-go honestly it, it was hard in the beginning even though china was this fabulously exciting place because it was everything was just so novel and so new so even if you took a walk you know and down the sidewalk uh, you would discover something that was exciting um and yet the challenge of saying to myself oh now i'm sitting at home and i'm not doing anything um and and not only am i sitting at home for the second time around for a year or so um but i'm sitting at home in a culture that i'm not very aware of and where i don't speak the language very well either um but but what had happened was i think why why i was a little better prepared um, the second time around was because I had gone, um, you know, I had taken a year off um, after my daughter's birth as well. And my daughter was born in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And I had had, um, I, and but given that it was my first time around as a mom, I wasn't sure when I was going to be able to re, re, um, re, restart my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had actually let go of a couple of really interesting opportunities initially because I'd said, no, I don't think um, this will work well with the timings I require for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I'd started teaching, um, you know, part-time and, and NUST, as you mentioned, which is one of um, one of our best business schools now, NUST Business Schools. It's a huge university and the business, the business school is where I started teaching part-time. And so I had, so I had, I had some idea of what the requirements were. And when I had started applying for the teaching job, you know, I had had to review my resume and sit down and say, which strengths do I still think I have? Um, you know, I may not be a fresh 
um, MBA anymore, but which strengths do I have that I can, um, that I can, um, you know, take um, to a prospective employer. And so that had given me some ideas of what might be useful. But of course, um, those ideas didn't apply anymore in China. So but at least I was aware that I could take that space and time. Um, and, and, and even though it was hard in the first year, especially the winter was very hard. Um, you, the winters in Beijing can be very, very hard. The wind can almost slice through you, you know, regardless of how many layers you have. Um, and so you end up spending a lot of time indoors. But I think, like you said, that's why I like your motto so much as well. Um, motherhood can be this tremendous opportunity because you know for all intents and purposes you're saying here I am responsible for the growth of this these young human beings who are now um, you know entrusted to me and you start reviewing your values and your needs and your wants because you want to start having that discussion with yourself about what kind of person or what kind of values or what kind of role model you want to be for your child. Um, so really motherhood does become this huge opportunity because you're assessing everything you're doing, saying, how's my child going to absorb this when they see me doing this? Or what, what would I want to teach my child? And a very simple example of that is I grew up as a youngster being very scared of animals. And I knew very clearly that I didn't want my children to be scared of animals. I thought it was something that I perhaps had picked up by watching. Um, and so because of my daughter, and it turns out that at the very first um, child, uh, I had this fantastic opportunity um, or, or, or an exam in some ways because my daughter's really into animals. Mm. And so here I am, you know, practically freaked out, you know, facing a giraffe, but having to pet it gingerly because I don't want my my daughter to realize that I'm scared um so even that you know suddenly when you realize that you can s surpass your own fear because you're trying to show your child not to be afraid can can teach you a lot about yourself and suddenly you're like wait a moment so if I can pet a horse or a giraffe or or, or an elephant because I'm trying to show my child that I'm not scared and it's making me less scared, that means I can learn a lot more things as well. And I can sort of make a checklist for myself of, you know, habits that I'll um, let go of this year, right? Yeah. Or habits that I will acquire this year. And so I start doing that. Um, and I, I try to do that, you know, pretty much every year. Um, I'll say to myself, all right, what habit am I going to let go of this year? Or what great habit am I going to acquire this year? And and it's very often motivated by the fact that I'll, I'll say to myself, this is something I want um, my kids to learn. So taking initiative, um, you know, and at the stage that we were in Beijing, um, I was saying to myself, well, I really want to prove to myself that I'm the kind of person who can take an initiative because I want my children tomorrow to not be scared of taking initiatives. Um, and so, frankly, you know, just I would just pep myself up and say, I'm going to walk into this situation um, and I'm going to go ask about mm -hmm. taking a you know, presentation workshop, for example, at the Hutong. And I'm going to be open to the opportunities it brings to me uh, whether they are the opportunities I've been, you know, initially um, reached out for or not. Um, and that helped. So, yeah, you're, you're very, very right. Motherhood can open this huge growth period for a person because suddenly with your child, you are also growing up. Mm 
Um, and that's fabulous. It can be tough. It can be challenging. Um, I have stopped counting how many times I reached out to my mother and said, Oh my goodness, this is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing such a horrible job at this. (laughs) Or I'm going to have a career mom. Um, to which she would listen very patiently and she's always been a career mo- you know mom as well um so she's always been an inspiration and she would eventually say all right i think i'll sit at home and or i'll come over and i can help you with the kids um and perhaps you can start a career and i'd realize no that's not what i want to do i want to be like her i want to be able to have you know the best of both worlds um and another honest this you know um fact is that my husband was very supportive yeah. um, when I came to the point where I was seeming like it was becoming too confining uh, or I was becoming too worried about my career he would say why don't you look at this idea or why don't you write for something um, he, why don't you ask uh, for example one of the publications there was the city weekend and I think it was my husband who said why don't you ask if they want uh, people to write articles for them Um, I never wrote more than one, unfortunately. We started working on Slurping Soup after that, and that took a while. But at least he spurred me on, and he would say, you know, if nothing else, go take a walk. If nothing else, go listen to a book talk. Uh, There's a literature festival. Go attend that. Um, And that that really helps, you know, that he was willing to not only encourage me, but also to take the share of um, the family workload that fell to him as a result that's that's really really powerful what you've been sharing and I love the fact that you brought up that support factor and I think it is very important as exile partners to be supported it's it's mm-hmm. and this is why I called this podcast tandem nomads because I believe it's at the end of the day not only about us the individual mm-hmm. but about the team and, very true and it's about the team it's not only about one person and I'm very happy that you brought it up so is there any tips you would have in case for example you feel that you don't have the support of your partner if you mm-hmm. want to have you know some more time some more space uh to be able to do some things have the partner take care of the kids some hours uh, mm-hmm. how would you handle that um the first i think is to and, and it it's and it's a learning curve for even when your partner is very supportive um it's a huge learning curve for both parties so um sometimes i think it feels like the other person is not supportive perhaps also because it's hard to articulate what kind of support we need mm-hmm. um for example um you know funny anecdote really uh, the first couple of times that i got really um i felt confined and i was really worried my husband said to me and this is really in the early days of the move to china he would say he would come home from his classes he was learning the language and he would come home from his classes and i'd say you know i've been inside the whole day and it's been a couple of days and the weather outside is not fantastic so i can't take my daughter out uh, mm-hmm. or, or i can't suggest that we go out as a family but i'm getting really i'm feeling cooped up and he would say why don't you put on your sneakers and just go take a walk, right? Mm. Um, and so I would do that. And then I got more adventurous and then he told, and he spoke a, a bit of Chinese by that time. So he, uh, so I discovered the bookworm, which was this fantastic um, library come cafe. Mm-hmm. And they have these fantastic um, book festivals, actually. I, I was there at the first one. So, um, <laughs> so I, so I got more adventurous and I said, all right, there's this wonderful book talk and I'm going to go attend it at the bookworm. And I, and, and I left, uh, the, uh, the house. 
And when I come back, three hours, I've really enjoyed myself, but it's taken me, oh, you know, like 15 minute walk, then a 20 minute or 25 minute subway ride, and then a 20 minute walk, and then a bus ride. And I've gotten to the bookworm and I've sat there for an hour and a half. And then I've, you know, had that interesting commute all the way back. And I'm really happy and I'm really energized. And I opened the door of the apartment and the house is a mess. And it wasn't even a house. It was like a two room suite with like a small kitchenette and a bathroom. Um, (laughs) It was a mess because it was the first couple of times that, you know, my husband had had to take care of um, our three-year-old completely alone. So he thought, all right, you know, I can't really reach her and she can't really rush back if there's a problem. So I'm just going to let, you know, our daughter do anything (laughs) she wants. So there were puzzle pieces and there were games and there were, everything was spread out. Um, (laughs) And I was like, uh, and so I'm torn between saying I had a fantastic time. Thank you so much. This worked out really well. And saying to myself, oh my goodness, I'm going to spend the next hour cleaning up. (laughs) And so, so uh, the first couple of times I sort of, you know, I said I had a wonderful time and I'm, you know, biting my tongue from saying, you know, what What have you guys done? This is a disaster. <laughs> and I started quietly cleaning up. But by the third time, I realized, wait a moment, I have to tell him exactly. that he's, you know, we. when I tell her to clean up, she does. And just make a game out of cleaning up with her and clean up. And so I had a talk with him, you know, on a random conversation. I said, you know, it's fantastic. You're very supportive. You're saying to me, be adventurous, go outside. <laughs> but when I come back, I've energized from three hours of adventure and I open the door <laughs> on a mess of toys. It's really an anticlimax and I need your help. <laughs> so, so I, so he said, Oh, so you need me, you know, you need my help clearing up. So he started working with my daughter, our daughter, and he started noting how I would help her, you know, take you know sort of create a game out of cleaning up and by the fourth or the fifth time things were better um so sometimes i think when we don't have support we don't we often don't know what kind of support we need we often have not been able to articulate it perhaps and sometimes of course there are solid limitations as well Uh, but if you've done the work of figuring out to yourself what kind of support you're looking for or what kind of adventure you're looking for or what kind of release you're looking for um, and given your limitations then what is it that you can realistically do it does help Um, initially for example I had great support from my husband but because I didn't know what the system would be if I stepped out of my full-time role of looking after my kids Um, I was very scared the first few times I had to head out and honestly speaking I was very scared before I took on this full-time position that I'm currently in right now as well Uh, but I was lucky not only was my husband supportive but my parents-in-law in law had just arrived like I think three days before my interview and I remember sitting down with them and saying you know I haven't done a full-time job in so long because all my work in Beijing was part-time and uh, most of it was voluntary so here I was being presented with the opportunity to take a full-time paying mm-hmm. uh, position and that would have meant a whole new set of logistical you know um, systems mm-hmm. being set in place. So how did you and, manage that? Well my mother-in-law was very, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law were 
a huge support and they said you know if if you've gotten the opportunity if god's given you the opportunity the rest will probably work out as well and we're here so we'll help you set it up um so we had to look for outside support uh, after the first month they were here for a month they they helped a lot um you know my mother-in-law would help with the kids my father-in-law would walk them back and forth from the bus stop and we um we looked really hard for in that you know four to six weeks that we had for extra support um we found um and and then of course you know um America is set up for working mothers. Um yeah. so there are before care and after care. And then we sat down and we we worked out how much we needed. Um I started with um slightly fewer time ta- ta- you know hours at work um that I could manage so I would be there for teaching time and then I would um rush back to pick up my kids. My husband would ensure similarly that he um and it was it it was luck also because his work time you know kids have to report to school far earlier than uh fathers have to be at the at at work yeah. so he would drop them off in the morning and my and he would drop me off in the morning and in the evening i would manage picking them up um so it worked well for a year and then now actually um uh, in the second year we've moved our kids to the same school that i work in oh okay so that's that's been an interesting fix as well finding a career that works with your children's needs is also important Yeah. So it's it's all these cogs have to fall in place. What kind of skills do you have? Uh what kind of value do you think you can add and where you can add them? What kind of support you and your spouse can create um given your limitations and uh, what are your children's needs and can those be met, you know, if all the other three uh mm-hmm. questions have been answered. So it's a bit of um it's quite the juggling act. Mm-hmm. but it can be done and i um for example know um that um you know for the first few years for example i didn't take full time work because i knew i needed things that to be part time so even in pakistan i didn't work full time i consciously went out of my way to look for uh, flexi time opportunities and only now when the kids are a little older have i jumped onto the full time um job wagon It's really interesting uh, mariam and uh, thank you for sharing that story with us and those stories because i think you explained very well that process and what i i can highlight from what you just said is maybe two things the fact that we do have to understand that it's a learning curve for those who just start in this adventure that there is time to adjust and you showed how you did it like you try out some solutions and then you adjust in order to find that balance between your you know the working mom and the mom at home and and finding that balance also as an individual and a couple so mm-hmm. it's just a lot of communication and try and error i guess <laughs> oh yeah Yeah, so lots of errors. <laughs> so so I think it's important that you share that, you know, that patience that we have Thank to you. have along the journey to like try it out and and see what works and keep what works and give up what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh but the other thing you also said that I want to f- focus on a bit is how important, you know, when you told us the story with your husband when you came back home and realized what was happening <laughs> there. And mm-hmm. I've heard it so many times, you know, that uh it's so hard sometimes to exp- you know this you want to share how happy you are in the same time you're so frustrated because it's extra work for you to have mm-hmm. to then to clean up etc that's just a small example to show how it was 
it became easier when you learned how to express what you needed. And mm -hmm. a lot of partners and husbands and, and wives um, actually just need an indication of what to do because a lot of us just expect others to understand right away what's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I think the way you did it, the first thing is to acknowledge the positive and that's what you did to before expressing what wasn't well, working well for you and then express more like practically what you need. I just need the house to be cleaned. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't want to have to clean it up because I clean it up when I take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I must confess, I'm not always that patient. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, my husband, um, we balance each other well. So when I'm not patient, he is. And he'll say, what is it that you need? <laughs> so <laughs> if you could tell us three, what is it that you need? Yeah. Um, you know, we might be better able to you know, work accordingly. Um, and over time, of course, in marriages, we also, um, you know, we also understand each other more. So, so it's, it's, it's been a learning curve. It still is a learning curve. Uh, honestly, one of the biggest projects this summer is going to uh, be, you know, introducing some more systems of how we work as a unit and uh, you know how all four of us contribute um, because we are now beginning to realize that given that the children are becoming older and their extracurriculars and their academic requirements and timings are expanding um, you know and, and, and of course um, our responsibilities are beginning to expand as well we need to figure out how to retain time as a family you know make sure that we're bonding as a family but we're also productive as a family and we're also supporting each other as a family um so yes you're you're right it's it's fantastic if we can have patience to do it i i confess <laughs> i don't often have patience <laughs> uh, i guess it's normal but we're all humans aren't we yeah. <laughs> you can't be perfect but I, but you did <laughs> you did express that i was quite impressed by the fact that you managed to you know explain your needs and not everybody can do it and i think that's if there's one message i want to to hold to to like um pick up from all our conversation is the importance of expressing our needs not only to our partners but our to our kids okay. um, because if we want them to help us we have to tell them how yeah yeah and actually um, this was then reinforced um, and I learned more and more about it in parent effectiveness training because what parent effectiveness training is it does is creates a behavior model and um, you know and it categorizes the kinds of behaviors and the kinds of needs and problems that we may face and the kinds of messages we can send um, and one of those messages the one that you're sort of almost explaining is called an I message mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've read in some other um, you know, lots of other places as well by now. But uh, an iMessage is saying, you know, this is what happened. Um, this is how it affected me. And this is what it made me feel. Um, and then, you know, you can send an iMessage, uh, both for positive reasons and negative reasons. And you can also, um, you know, you can also um, uh, sort of prompt for the solution that you need. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic to see that the same um, concepts and ideas will work for such a variety of yeah. um, situations. So that's always wonderful. Yeah. Actually, could you tell us before, um, could you tell us, I was actually meaning to ask you the question, mm -hmm. if any parent is interested in a, in a parent effectiveness training, what is it about? 
Well, parent effectiveness training was created in the 1960s by Dr. Thomas Gordon. And people can get more information if they need from um, Gordon Training International. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a fantastic um, way, like I said, of categorizing the specific situations that we'll face in any relationship. And actually, the parent effectiveness training module model was created because he was working with families. But then the effect, it was realized that it was effective in a large, in actually most situations, wherever communication was required. So there are, um, you know, offshoots such as... Um, personal effectiveness training and leadership, leader effectiveness training and teacher effectiveness training. Um, and, uh, and you know, ML, the coolest thing that I've learned from traveling around and experiencing different things is um, that I've, I've found other methodologies as well. For example, um, you know, the very famously known seven habits of highly effective people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now that the teaches, book? <laughs> um, and now um, the seven habits teaches the skill of active listening, which um, parent effectiveness training teaches as reflective listening. Um, and, and it's fascinating. And then there's another training methodology, for example, called Skatema. Um, and they have the care and growth model um, where they define that we are only in a, an, that our that the best thing we can do really is to give in our life rather than focus on the taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these different concepts and methodologies that I've met along, you know, changing my career and reinventing myself. Um, it's fascinating how you can see values and principles that are truly universal um, across all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and they help and inform us um, so wonderfully. It's really interesting, uh, Maria. I'm happy that you brought up this topic and you brought up three different techniques so far. I would like to know if there is any place where you could set a Santanum Nomads to, to have more information on these techniques. For parent effectiveness training, you want to go to Gordon Training International. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their webpage. Um, for Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, of course, Stephen Covey is the originator of that. Um, and so their um, company is now called Franklin Covey. So look up, uh, looking up Franklin Covey or buying the books. Um, and, and of course, they hold these trainings across the globe. Um, parent effectiveness training and personal effectiveness training is also held across the globe. Um, and Skatema is a growing methodology. They are, um, it arose because a gentleman called Etzko Skatema, um, who originally was an anthropologist, I believe, he um, studied the behavior of the productivity and the behaviors of supervisors mm-hmm. in, in mines in South Africa. And he's South African. Um, and he discovered that there were vi- wide, um, you know, differences in the way one mine was working and the other was working. And he came up with the care and growth model. Um, I've met, I've, 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 I'm lucky enough to know Mr. Sketema and uh, Mr. Fakisha who are uh, heading it currently. Mm-hmm. And I asked their permission and I said, could I use it in an expat setting? Could I try to use it in an expat setting? Um, so I did a small kitchen table conversation and I use that model and it works um, mm-hmm. and, and it, so it's I've been lucky to find great sources of inspiration um, so to look for um, Skatema uh, you have to go to their website or the Care and Growth website and you spell Skatema S-C-H-U-I-T-E-M-A this is really and good. I believe it is skatema.co.za 
Okay, very good. So Nomad Nation, I will put all these references on the show note page sure. of this episode so mm-hmm. that we can find them. And thank you so much for sharing. It's really interesting. No and what I find interesting about all of this too is that you actually took all those years to learn all these techniques and just widen and widen your spectrum of skills. And this is really fascinating how you've been doing it. So any guidance regarding that before we say goodbye how would you recommend other expat partners to do as you did like expand your skills and be able to become an expert at the end of the day in so many different topics <laughs> never an expert <laughs> always a student really never an expat an expert, uh, expat. always an expat never an expert <laughs> yeah yeah um, um i was always fascinated by jack of all trades and and perhaps that's a little bit of what i'm beginning to do mm-hmm. But really, um, I'm always learning. Um, the biggest um, learning for me so far has been that you you need to be open to learning, both about yourself and the outside world. And if you find that there is a skill or a habit that you can adopt, that you have to take it and run with it. And 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 that's actually what informed our writing of our book, Slurping Soup and Other Confusions. I mean, it's Perfect the transition. same. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same philosophy and I was very, very lucky because in the parent effectiveness training group that I was in, um, headed by Catherine Tongs, who's one of the co-authors, I found a group of inter- like multicultural moms who, who, who were open to experiences and learning as well. And what would happen was after our training, we, um, you know, as, as parents, we would meet up frequently we met every month and by the second or the third month we were trying to look for books and journals that could help our kids um, on their expat journeys recognizing that the challenges that we were bringing to the table were all happening because our kids were third culture kids Um, and and so we did all that you know similar philosophies teach us if you if you've had a challenge or a problem and you've dealt with it um, you can get together with others who have done something in that regard and create something of value. And so that's what we tried to do. We tried to create a book which would not only provide an opportunity for three to 12-year-old TCQs to say, oh, I'm not the only one that this is happening to. I'm not the only one who's grieving the loss of a relative because I've moved or the loss of a friend. I'm not the only one dealing with, you know, entirely new cultural habits. Uh, There are other kids like me. Um, but then we also wanted to create a safe space and a journal, um, not a journal, but an activity book, which would create a safe space for them to explore what was happening to them and use some of the techniques that we had learned over time um, to allow them to process their feelings and the transitions and the emotions and the turmoil that they were facing and come to a point where they could start creating solutions for themselves. So that helped us create slurping soup and other confusions. Um, And I've realized through that journey of co-writing that book that that's the best thing you can do as an expat. Mm -hmm. If the the most successful expats, the most inspiring expats I have met so far, um, you know, have been people who have gone through the struggles and said, out of my struggle, maybe I can help create something that will help. <laughs> maybe I can help create a resource that will help somebody else. And that's what we did with Slurping Soup and Other Confusions. And um, now working with families in global transition, I've come to meet so many fantastic people who are doing their bit, including yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's what Tandem Nomads does. Mm-hmm. You have a challenge. You've, you've dealt with that challenge. 
um, you've have you have many challenges. You've grown up as a TCK. You know how hard it is um, sometimes, and how satisfyingly fulfilling it is at others. Um, and you're you've created this fantastic resource. So, um, so yeah, if if that was the one takeaway for me that I would like to consistently apply in my life, and I would say to everyone else, this this really works, is to try to create something for others. Um, you know, out of your own challenges, and it helps you connect with inspiring people. It helps you address your own challenges, and it helps you give back for all the wonderful things that you've received. Wonderful, Mariam! What a great way to end this interview. <laughs> Very inspiring. <laughs> you've been a fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, you've been you've been fantastic with the questions. So you've uh, been asking fantastic questions. Oh, uh, thank you so I've much, Mariam. Do much. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we say goodbye, could you tell us, please, where can we find your book? Uh, your the book that you co-wrote and beautifully explained what it was about. But maybe we can summarize real briefly. It's in a story and activity book for third culture kids, right? Yes, it's a story. An activity book for third culture kids aged three to 12 year olds um, and it can be bought from Amazon and we are trying to reinvigorate our blog we had all repatriated um, and we're trying to collate our work again and we're we're trying to feed more and more information into our blog so um, your our website can be seen at slurpingsoup.com and we have a Facebook page um, and uh, we'd love to hear from people on our Facebook page Fantastic. as well as our website. So Nomad Nation, I'll put that uh, information also on the show notes page of this episode. And Mariam, what's the best way to find you? The best way to find me is to find me as Mariam Afnan Ahmed on LinkedIn or Facebook currently. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mariam. This was a true pleasure to do this with you. Thank you for all Thank the great so information. Much, um, it was wonderful talking to you as well. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed this great interview with our guest today. If you did, please leave your comment in the webpage of this episode. And if you liked it, also share it with your friends. So every new episode of Tandem Nomad's podcast show is broadcasted every second Tuesday. So I can't wait to meet you there. And in the meantime, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.